1: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, after an eight-day absence, we are back. I am back from Chicago. You are back from your underground smuggling. I mean, uh, you are back from just having a really good good time here in Buffalo, and it's, it's good. To yeah, be- I was
0: doing my own personal sound of freedom patriot work, <laughs> but I can't say too much about it.
1: Fair enough. We need to protect yours and your brother's identities. Uh, And not your actual brother, of course, that is. But your freedom, brothers. Yeah. Uh, Jim Caviezel. (laughs) Anyways, though, Taylor, not a whole lot has happened in the sports world for us having been off for an entire week. But one of the big trades that we've been waiting to go down has finally happened in the NHL. As the Pittsburgh Penguins have acquired star defenseman and reigning Norris winner, Eric Carlson from the San Jose Sharks in a three-team deal that ultimately Taylor felt underwhelming uh, from the side of the Sharks.
0: Yeah, what a strange deal. Here's the details: It's the Penguins get Eric Carlson, forward Rem Pitlick, forward Dylan Hameluk, and San Jose's 2026 third-round pick. The Sharks get Pittsburgh's 2024 first-round pick, top ten protected. I don't think that'll matter. They no. also get Ford, Michael Granlund. Yeesh. Yikes. and Mike Hoffman, and defenseman Jan Ruda. The Canadians are involved as a third team here to make the salaries work. They get Pittsburgh's 2025 second-round pick, defenseman Jeff Petrie, who they used to have, uh, goalie Casey DeSmith, and Ford Nathan Lajare. Okay, so a lot going on here. But it seems like a huge selling point for Mike Greer and the Sharks was to not have this $11.5 million uh, contract on the books for the next four years. Oh, that's the other part. $1.5 million retained by the Sharks. So they only have $1.5 million of that $11.5 million deal uh, to not have him on the team.
1: Yeah, but they ended up pulling a bunch of that salary back in the form of their – forms, I should say, of their acquisitions – A very, very puzzling move here. I mean, Greer obviously held out as we're now into August. I believe the deal went down on what, August 2nd, I won't? Or it's 2nd, Jesus Christ. August uh, 5th or 6th, was it? It was one of the last couple days here. But part of it was that he he was holding out to find the right deal, which absolutely you can't fault that logic. But I don't know, Taylor. I mean, I think for one, bringing back so much money in the form of pretty underwhelming players i mean bringing back michael grandland in that deal when grandland has just been over the hump for a couple of years now it's it's gone downhill pretty pretty badly after he seemingly began to regain some of his minnesota form with the predators and then just the past couple of seasons for him have, have not been good obviously he ends up getting moved at the trade deadline last year last season in a very puzzling move so you bring that back you you only get one first out of it And I'm with you that I don't really necessarily think that the pick protections matter that much, but this feels really underwhelming for San Jose. And I think it also begs the question, and I'm curious for your thoughts on this, Taylor, should they have retained more so that they were able to get a better deal out of this?
0: No, I don't think so, because the way I'm looking at it now, you mentioned them getting the money back in Granlund and Hoffman, but that short term Hoffman's got one year and Granlund's got two, which to me opens up 25, 26 is their room to compete, really compete. And then that, that'll be a long rebuild. Cause that'll be six straight years of missing the playoffs. If that's their first year to compete. I also think it's a realistic target though. And at that point, they'll really only have as big contacts hurdle who hopefully will still be good. Logan coacher God, they would be lucky if he's still good. Uh, Vlasic, uh, unfortunately, will still be there at that point, which is pretty crazy and Mario Ferraro and then two smaller deals in Matt Benning and Kyle Burroughs. so they don't really have a lot of guys signed there, and they have a real opportunity there to really remake their roster with young guys and whoever else they want really in this time period and that gets them away from paying Carlson eleven and a half million for those last two years, which would probably be bad years in all likelihood, and it also gets away from them retaining say five million. Maybe though, if if there's some world out there where someone is willing to say, "Wow, Eric Carlson for six point five million, we'll give up two firsts for that unprotected." Maybe I'm not sure that exists.
1: Do you think that they could have gotten more out of this deal for what it was, for only retaining the one point five? Because again, I, I that side of it is undeniably good for them getting that off the books. And you're you're definitely right in the sense of it being uh, a short term pain in the ass to deal with, but. I don't know. I mean, do you feel differently then? Or or do you think that Greer should have gotten more out of this deal?
0: Well, it's just it's weird because it's one of these trades where it's kind of like the Meyer trade, which they also did, where it just feels like there's a bunch of guys floating around in there that kind of you look at it for a second. and You're like, well, what the hell is this? Like it kind of messes with your uh, initial analysis of it because it's like there are so many guys here and so many of them kind of, don't really matter, or it's it's not clear if they will. So I don't know what to say. Like looking what they get here, they, like you said here, like Grandland and Hoffman, those are just two guys. Ruda does he matter? I don't know. So at the end of the day, it's kind of like it's Carlson for a first in in what matters to them, unless they really like Jan Ruda. And uh, yeah, that's I I think Pittsburghs will almost it, it certainly be like fifteenth to twenty fifth. Somewhere in that range. I mean, we'll see. There, you know, there's there's always variants in hockey, but that's the, the range you expect. I'm not sure what I really would expect out of this. I think in a time when GMs were dumber and also more daring, I think the Sharks could have got a haul trading a reigning Norris winner, who's not yeah. that old, all things considered. But teams are really smart now. And like Kyle Dubas is one of those guys who's he's a pretty smart guy. So I think it's hard to just I guess, kind of uh, rip off a team in this scenario. Now the, the idea of them retaining more theoretically, they could have gotten more. I don't know if that's worth it though, when it comes to trying to compete in a couple of years. I mean, the Carlson deal, it's just, it's such a weird journey it's been with him because he gets traded there. The end of the 2018, 19 season where the sharks go to the conference finals. And he's still really good at that point, but he's not what he was two years prior when he was insanely good at in 2017 in Ottawa, but he's still pretty good. He's good. He's very good. And he's he's worth the trade. And it's I if I remember it was a super underwhelming deal for Ottawa. And they get him. Yeah, they make the conference finals, they re-sign him to an eight-year deal, and then they're really bad in 1920. And that almost gets overshadowed because COVID happens, but the Sharks had a disaster year. Considering what their roster looked like at the time, it was so expensive, so many guys, they had no prospects, and it's like, oh my god, what are we gonna do? Uh and after that though, in the covid shortened year when it was the division only play in 2021 god he was like the worst defenseman in the nhl people were talking about what a disaster the contract was what a disaster of a player he was and we all knew he had foot issues and that was already holding him back but it was all of a sudden like he's a terrible defensive defenseman he no longer has any value on that side of the ice and then he also wasn't scoring and that he clawed back a little bit of his value a good amount of his value last two years ago and then this past year i mean Awesome. He won the Norris. Need a hundred points. So, what a weird stretch of years he's had in San Jose. But I would, I will say that I don't see much, much of a uh, risk of him being that twenty twenty one guy again. But what if uh, Pittsburgh gets him for ten million a year, and he's the twenty twenty two guy or the twenty twenty guy?
1: Well, that's a little bit that, of a risk. I, I think that brings up an interesting. Question That we can kind of change the the scope of the discussion here because we've been looking at this from San Jose's point of view and what they ended up getting in return. But let's let's talk about this for Pittsburgh a bit because you're getting a guy that's coming off of a 101 point season, 25 goals, 76 assists in a full A2 game season for San Jose last year. He, according to NHL.com, is just the sixth defenseman in NHL history to reach 100 points in a season and is the first to do so since Brian Leach did it when he had 102 in the 91 and 92 seasons. So 30 years, 31 years, realistically. It it has been a while. As you went through before and talked about uh, Carlson's reputation as an an offensive defenseman, you know, it it, it goes without saying, and it, it really, you don't need to put much of a stamp on it. Like, it feels like that version of him is back. If you watched him last year, it looked like that guy. Sure. Yeah. He doesn't maybe have the same pep in his step that he did, uh, you know, in the Ottawa days. And even when he first came over to, to San Jose for that matter, but he was dominant last year. There's no getting around that. However, the other side of that is though, when we're looking at it from the bigger picture and taking maybe not the player out of the equation, but looking at it from the team's perspective, Oddly enough, it's kind of funny that this Carlson trade uh, helped Pittsburgh's core get a little bit younger, but this is an old team right now, Taylor, that maybe has, what, two, three runs left in them here, like before major things start happening, maybe even less. I mean, we don't know how much longer Malkin or, or Latang are going to end up sticking around and being there. Crosby, obviously, with him being, what, 38 years old, his days are a bit numbered now. Thirty-six. 36 he, it's 36, his birthday today. Excuse me. OK. Happy birthday, Sid. But excuse me. Well, thirty six years old, like, you know, the days are numbered. And obviously, Crosby still put up an incredible year last year. Malkin was able to, to bounce back a little bit. Latang was dealing with a lot of injury issues. So there's a lot of risk involved here. You're also running it back with Tristan Jari as your starter next year. And you gave him a bunch of money, too. So Dubas is really. It's interesting because obviously, when you have you know a, such a legacy team like Pittsburgh is right now at this core that they have with the guys who I had mentioned before, uh, and you have a new GM coming into the mix, where this is a team that just missed the playoffs after being a, a mainstay there for the better part of you know fifteen, sixteen years here, and then uh, throwing that in the you know considering that you're coming into into a situation where Dubas can say, well, you know maybe some of these guys are later in their careers here, you know, to what degree are we going to supplement them? What kind of talent are we going to surround them with? And going out and getting a guy like Carlson, I think obviously makes them a better team, especially when you consider what they ended up having to get up to give up to get him. Like you you really didn't give up any key pieces now or into the future for that matter. So, you know, you take that approach with it, but you get younger, but not a whole lot younger here. And especially considering the fact that while I think the version of Carlson that was playing last year is, is, you know, back and like, he is good. And I think he's doing better from the injuries. We're also talking about, about a guy that is very, very injury plagued. And you're bringing him into a situation where your now number two option. Who's been your number one option has also been very, very injury plagued here. And you had mentioned before Taylor, you use the word risk and there is a lot of it when it comes to Pittsburgh, making this move, the payoff could end up being great but it is very, very risky. So what's your take on this from Pittsburgh side of things?
0: I think they basically kind of have to do it because the way last season went, it's kind of such a weird thing where you, you when you're a good team and you're good long enough, you pay all your stars. And you know when you pay them for like the third time and it's a long-term deal that by the end of it, they're probably not going to be as good. Pittsburgh had a weird thing where even though like Malkin, for example, kept getting hurt and Latang wasn't always healthy either. Crosby pretty much always was. That. The other two guys, Malkin and Latang, had to get re-signed last offseason, and they both got re-signed for quite a few years. So they, you have those three guys taking a bunch of the cap, and you would think like, oh, they take a bunch of the cap, they're old, they're not as good, and then, boom, team's not as good either. And you can't sign other guys, blah, 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 because these guys take up such a big percentage of your cap. Not what happened. Those guys are both – all all three of those guys are really good. Malkin had his best, healthiest season in like quite a few years. Crosby was awesome. Still, like probably one of the ten best centers around, and Latang still great, still very productive. The problem was like the rest of the roster and, and the terrible job Ron Hextall did. Yeah. So it was just everything else really. And so when you're looking at it, these guys are signed here for a while. You won three cups. You have such a good run. And I think, I think you kind of owe it to these guys since they want to be there to keep them there, and not to sell them because you could you could trade all three of those guys and kickstart a hell of a rebuild. I do think what fans want and what kind of, this is going to sound so overdramatic, like Aaron Sorkin wrote this line, but what honor dictates that you do here in being a a, not just a team, not just a business, not just someone that's trying to win again, but a civic institution that cares about both the fans and the players should do here is try to make two to three more runs, like you said, with these guys. Even if you know, you're very unlikely to win a cup of my opinion. I think it would mean a lot to make like the second or third round. I think the example I always think of um, with fans really, really loving like veteran hard-nosed teams that are like, you know, they're not going to win it at all, but like they're giving it their last shot. The example I always think of, and I'm sure you already agree, is the 2012 Celtics mm. who I think you knew in the middle of that season, at any point in that season, they were unlikely to win. They were barely above 500 for most of the year. And then they ended up going to game seven of the conference final with the heat and they lost, but it was a huge and that never happened again, by the way, they never went to game seven with the heat in the conference final again and lost, but Fuck. Oh. Celtics fans remember that team so well. And they, and so fondly because they shouldn't have done that. They mm-hmm. shouldn't have gone that far. They, and it just was a really, people really enjoy that kind of thing. So I think like if, if the pens made a surprise run of the conference finals, which could happen this year, and Carlson's not going to be, like, beloved the way the other guys are, but, like, imagine that. uh, Like, this kind of late-in-the-30s run with Crosby and Malkin and all these guys. And shit, they kind of hit the jackpot. Look at everyone else that turns 35 that's really good. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. They're not nearly as good as Malkin when he's healthy, as Crosby pretty much all the time, as Latang. Like, look at what happened to the Capitals. They weren't. They didn't just miss because of a few things. Like, they fell off a cliff. Look at the Blackhawks. Kane and Tays are younger than Malkin and Crosby. Look at them. They're a whole different team already. So it's a a nice thing that they're doing in Pittsburgh, and I'm glad they're doing it. And as far as Montreal goes, good enough, I guess. Wander your cap space and you don't need a second-round pick. That's fine.
1: Yeah, that's fine. That's definitely fine. And honestly, it's kind of funny you mention it too. I don't know. I didn't like process in my head that Petrie is now back in Montreal after they had just moved him a few years ago. But I forgot he was gone, right? Yeah. So, so back to the point that you made before I I kind of had alluded to it and I'm glad that you would like firmly touched on it. Uh, the idea of doing right by Crosby and Malkin and Latang and, and keeping them there for the entirety of their careers and trying to make another run at it, given how productive they've been. But you also brought up another good point, Taylor, which is even for their ages right now, those three guys would, fetch you a really nice return that could very much upstart a, a retool, rebuild, whatever you would want to call it. Because again, the writing is going to be on the wall at some point. And I think that if, you know, the Penguins mindset is we're going to run this, out or we're going to ride this out with Crosby, Malkin, Latang, We're going to retire them here. Their, their jerseys are going to be up in the rafters one day. They are Penguins for life. And we're going to see this through. We're going to see how long they can be productive for. Absolutely. I can get behind that. I feel like there's probably nobody in Pittsburgh right now that is thinking like, Hmm, I think Kyle Dubas should maybe try and move Sidney Crosby to get back a maximum return for him or anything like that. Like being in that position, of course, from an outside perspective. Yeah. I think it's fair for our minds to kind of go there, but I'm with you that I don't think that there's really a downside to this for Pittsburgh. Like, yeah, there is risk involved here. And yeah, you could have in theory moved that, first rounder for a younger piece a guy in like maybe like their mid-20s that's kind of more like firmly in their prime or even like on the tail end of their prime as compared to Carlson where he's at in his career but look what Carlson did last year I mean if he's able to bring that additional scoring punch for you I mean, the, the power play for them is going to be lethal. You're going to get better five-on-five production there. If you are probably just because of the similarities in their styles of play and what they can give you, you're going to have Latang and Carlson split up from one another. I think that that's a really interesting look for Pittsburgh there. And, and ultimately, you know, it's a good thing they were able to get Granlin off the books. They probably aren't. All the way there, though, right? Like do you get the sense maybe that Pittsburgh has another move in them to try and really maybe fill out the forward group a little bit more now that they made this big big splash on defense?
0: uh, it would be more like at the trade deadline.
1: I don't know yeah. if they're gonna
0: try that this summer, but yeah, I don't I don't think they're 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 not as good as Carolina, obviously, so they and they're not as good as New Jersey either, I wouldn't say. so mm-hmm. like there's still moves to be made. And their goaltending isn't as reliable as Shosturkin, but I would say this to bring it to Sabres' perspective: I think that this move, at least this year, kind of puts them. If it's going to be for a wild card spot, if if we're, they're both fighting for it, that I think that puts them ahead of the Sabres.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's fair. I think if, even though. Obviously, Tristan Jari is pretty up and down. I think that's a a big known, at least positive, that they have right now is that you can get through a season with him. And albeit, yes, he is inconsistent. He can win you games at times. Um, I mean, he's done it for them. Obviously, they didn't get over the hump last year and get in the playoffs, but he's got the track record there. You, again, have Crosby and Malkin as your one-two punch there. I mean, that's huge depth scoring, obviously, with guys like Gensel, of course. You have Brian Russ there still um so yeah I mean I I I guess so it's tough I don't know how how much ahead though like I still feel good about the Sabres chances but again I think this goes back to the the bigger picture thing that we touch on one way or another every single episode did the Sabres do enough have they done enough heading into this year as not only has there really been not a ton of like major activity among some of their counterparts who are going to be their major hurdles to get over, but uh, teams are getting older, you know, and it's just, it it feels like they're primed to really kind of like cement themselves as a perennial playoff team in the Eastern conference this year. And Again, you look at a team like Pittsburgh. Yeah, I know they're in a a very different spot than the Sabres, but I think it's more so the premise of just like, go out there and get your guy. Like, go make a move that's going to energize people, that's going to energize the team in the the locker room, and it's going to energize the fan base, and it's going to, more than that, demonstrably make you better. Clifton and Johnson absolutely, I think, are, are positive additions to the defensive group. Yes, how much so I think that remains to be seen, but either way, like the baseline of where the defenses as a whole went up with those two signings, I think, where else have you gotten better on this roster? And you can't really definitively say goaltending either, because we just don't know with Levi quite yet. We we, we just don't. Third stage jump. Yeah. Well, really though, I I think it, it's, it's very fair to ask to continue asking how long are we going to just continue to rely on development alone? I think it's a very fair question for us to ask. It's gonna be you know again as we're we're getting into the start of the new year and the in the new season, I think it's gonna be something a theme that we're gonna be talking about a lot. I think coming out of the gate that's gonna be a huge thing too, especially with the the glaring hole that is seemingly Jack Quinn's injury to start the year right now and especially in that, that's huge. Yeah. How much are you going to continue to rely on this? Levi is your answer for the long term, but you're putting a lot on his shoulders right now. Can he carry the load and, and handle that burden? I, I think that, like mentally, he's capable to yes, but we're just we're leaving a lot up to the physical side of this as well. In playing that many games, as many games as they're probably expecting him to this year, the travel that's involved with that. And just knowing how to adapt to that, it's, you know, as we've been saying, there's a reason why this stuff rarely, if ever happens. And so back to the original point. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say it's, it's definitely close now. I I think before I probably would have safely said, I I still feel better about the Sabres, but uh, that's, I definitely don't feel as confident, I guess.
0: I feel you. Before we get to anything else, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Let's. Straight Up Sabres is brought to you by DraftKings. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem, call one hundred gambler. Massachusetts call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty or visit gambling helpline ma.org. In New York, call eight seven seven eight hope NY or text hope NY at four six seven three six nine. In Kansas, call one eight hundred five two two four seven hundred on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia gambling problem, call one hundred gambler or visit w. one eight hundred gambler.net. All games is regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino with Charlestown Races. Connecticut help is available by problem gambling call 888-879-7777 or visit ccpg.org 21 and over in most eligible states, but age will vary by jurisdiction. See draftkings.com slash for details and state specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance one boost per eligible game opt-in required max about $50 10 plus leg requirement for 100% boost eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions apply. And folks, this podcast is also, once again, brought to you by Raycon Wireless Earbuds. And friends, even if you're not going on vacation like Brenda did this week in the City of Brotherly Love, summer's all about a vacation state of mind. So whether I want to listen to, I don't know, the new Olivia Rodrigo song, talking about uh, perhaps an ex being a vampire or something like that, I don't. I don't understand teens anymore, We listen to that on repeat or just need to retreat inside my own head for a bit. I love creating my own summer soundtrack by popping in my Raycon wireless earbuds. There's so much going on all summer. Sometimes you need upbeat music to pump you up before you see people or to stay calm with some guided meditation. So that can be anything from, hey, I'm listening to cool summer hits from the 90s, a little bit of LFO, maybe like some 2008 rap hits, a little uh, Young Money. Brandon's a big fan. Oh yeah! Actually, Brendan's first band was a cover band for uh, Young Money. They they performed Bedrock.
1: Young Jeezy, actually, sorry, get it right.
0: Oh, okay, really? Oh yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I never saw him live. <laughs> uh, and then you know maybe you're listening to a couple podcasts like Straight Up Sabers or any of the other fine podcasts in the Charging Buffalo Network or the Hockey Podcast Network. So let me tell you right now. What are you doing? Any of those? Those are the only things you could be listening to in the whole world. And no matter what, Raycons are the best way to listen to them.
1: They're back, baby. Our boy's back.
0: Use the earbud tap function to toggle between three customizable sound profiles, noise isolation, and awareness mode. Raycons have a 32-hour battery life, included eight hours of playtime, so you can listen to what you want when you want for a really long time. They come with custom gel tips for the most comfortable in-ear fit, and they started half the price of other premium audio brands but this is important the sound is just as good so raycons also come with a 30-day happiness guarantee so you really can't lose you don't like them in 30 days send them back ray j will personally write you a check uh for the refund so create your own soundtrack with raycon right now straight up Sabres listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash THPN. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to save 15% on your Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. Folks, and you know this podcast is also brought to you by Thin Man Brewery, and they got a couple things I got to let you know about. First is the Northeast Light, which they call a lawn chair beer. Folks, I know it's August but there's still like 6 weeks left of summer. We still got to enjoy the warm temperatures. You're going to regret it if you don't when it's even if it's like late November, it's dark at 4:45 p.m., it's raining, it's 41 degrees. The Sabres lost 7 to 5 cuz UPL let in 6 goals in the third period. You're going to wish you were outside enjoying a northeast light. Now this is Brewed and Collaboration with von Trap, it's a crushable and refreshing american lager it's available at chandler and hitting retail in buffalo and rochester only 4.2 percent so like i said it's a crushable beer you can have a few of them don't have to worry about anything like that it's nice and light and uh it's perfect for the summer so don't waste your summer away enjoy these last Uh, days of summer with northeast light also this saturday if you're not too busy folks thin man will be at island park for the froth brewing froth fest 2023 so they'll be pouring alongside a a bunch of your favorites so whether you like thin man or a lot of the local beer or whatever if you like beer in general it's gonna be a good place to be there's also gonna be live music food and lots of beer so tickets available that's at frothbrewing.com if you're interested in that uh
1: brendan anything to add on thin man just that we love it very deeply. Go over to Chandler. Make sure you're following him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you are on social media. Make sure you're following Thin Man Brewery and head their website, thinmanbrewery.com to keep up with all the latest news on the great many things happening at Thin Man. All right, all right folks. Back. Any, we are so back. Do you... Uh, oh, it's so over. Do you have any thoughts to share? Before so I, I was out.
0: thinking about this with Carlson. It's such an interesting thing with him last year that he wins a Norris. He had the best defensive season in terms of point or sorry, the best offensive season for a defenseman in terms of points in like 30 something years. Mm-hmm. But in general, I would say Carlson at his best is the best offensive defenseman our generation has seen, no doubt. Uh, yeah. I I remember Ray Bork when he was like a forty-two-year-old man with a gray beard winning the avalanche. Stanley Cup in one mm-hmm. so I don't remember him, you know, his prime or whatever, so it's Carlson, Carlson's the best offensive defenseman I remember, and he is straight up bad at defense now at this point in his career, yeah. post-injury maybe that's partly playing on a bad team he's not as interested, he was never a strong defensive defenseman, but he's like actively terrible, so much so that when they do the, the fancy charts that our friends like Jay Fresh do in Evolving Wild it'll be like percentile for offense, he's at mm-hmm. 100 and for defense, he'll be at, like, one. That's incredible. <laughs> and he still wild. is good enough to win the Norris because he's he's so productive at offense. But it's just exciting. Like, it's going to be really hard considering the Sabres, say, defensive deficiencies. He'll be a hard guy to deal with. But it's also... It's going to be, like, hard for him to deal with Tage and Cousins and Tuck and Skinner and everyone. He's mm-hmm. almost like if last year's Sabres were a player.
1: Yeah, actually. Wow, that's beautiful. So, uh... Uh,
0: I hope he continues down that trend because it's beautiful and I hope the Sabres uh, get better and are more like, I don't know, maybe more like a 2012 Eric Carlson, a little bit more effort in the defensive end.
1: Love that. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, and of course 15. Craig
0: Anderson's there just like 2012.
1: Oh, what a, what a time. What a year. Taylor, do you have anything you'd like to recommend to the people?
0: Wow. What an interesting time it's been folks. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to recommend this. I saw the Indiana Jones movie. Not great, not terrible, but it's also old, and you probably don't need it recommended to you. Uh, It's just – it's been a minute. What I'm going to recommend is that you guys get on the ground floor this season with a little show I like to call Winning Time on HBO. (laughs) Which premiered – season two premiered Sunday night, and it is equally as batshit insane, and it moves at the pace of a bullet train. And wow, what a bewildering show. It's great. It is five to seven percent of it is based on true events. A hundred percent of it is based on real people. Wow. What else do you need from a show though? John C. Riley playing um a basketball owner from forty something years ago. Uh you got stand-ins for Kareem, Magic Johnson, Norm Nixon, Jerry West being played like he's <laughs> He's almost played like he's Teddy Daniels in Shutter Island, <laughs> just losing his mind at every conceivable <laughs> moment, even though everyone in real life is like, yeah, Jerry West is very calm, kind of a sad, sack kind of guy. No, no, he's screaming about everything. Uh, and then a lot of gratuitous nudity and uh, it's cut like. I don't I don't even know what it's cut like as a movie. It's almost cut like that one crazy scene in Bohemian Rhapsody that everyone laughed at. It's just it's insane. And then it has the weird uh, because it's you know, it's it's supposed to be 1980. It has those weird kind of effects like on the side, like an old kind of if it was being shot on tape,
1: Mm
0: but look, but almost like it was being shot on home video like a 1980s yeah. camera, not like a 1980s film. I don't know what's up with that, but also I love the the intro music and they do a slightly different intro this time, but they still have the simultaneous person eating caviar and other person smoking crack. So that's great. Yeah, what in a show. We love it, folks. It's so great. Been to season one and learn a few things about the 1979-80 Lakers and then Get ready for season two where they cover like four whole years. Four
1: years. Episodes. That's what I was about to say. I'm so excited. I, literally after we hang up, I'm about to watch uh, the first episode of season two. So I'm psyched. I saw your tweet about it, that it's just like leans even more to like the chaoticness of it. And I'm just, I'm so excited. I think this show falls under the purview of the, we did like a whole episode on this. I think like a year or two ago, we should revisit the, the this premise that like, a show can be uh, quote unquote bad, but it's still great and it's okay to like it and that it's okay to watch it, even though you know that it's not good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I would say with this, at least that it's made by someone who's made good stuff. Yeah. So there's some craft to it. It's, it's cool. Made I, in an insane way.
1: Yeah. I think a lot, like, I think I'm a little bit higher on like some of the, like, cuts like you were saying where it goes to like kind of like the old grainy stuff and i know i remember last season you didn't really like how they would do like break the fourth wall stuff like pretty frequently i don't know if they're doing that again in this i'm assuming probably a lot because that was like a key part of last year i don't know if they
0: did it in episode one i maybe okay. yeah i i like it some of the time but they just did it a lot because it, it was yeah. it felt like every like five minutes it was john c riley turning the camera and being like get ready to see me paddle motherfuckers. And it's like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> can you just do the scene? <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I'm excited, man. I, I can't wait. I was really looking forward to this, this show coming back. And it's cool too. Cause like, yeah, they cover four years with season two, but that only brings you to like 85. So like, there's a whole hell of a lot more that they can keep doing with this, which I'm pretty psyched about.
0: Yeah, true. I, I mapped this out with our friend, Mike one time and I mapped out, like seventeen seasons of the show that would bring us to the like present.
1: That would be nuts. Wow.
0: Yeah, I think it the finale was going to be like 2020 where Kobe dies and then COVID happens and then they win the title with LeBron. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know if I had any ideas after that, but anyway, uh, that was in a text, so I'll never be able to find it. But you know, maybe I'll come up with another idea if David Zaslav, if you would need any notes, Adam McKay,
1: anyone. You can never be too sure. Might as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Very cool. Well, I'm going to recommend uh, a handful of artists because as Taylor had mentioned before, this week, I spent uh, a lovely weekend away in the city by the bay. Of course, Chicago, Illinois. And... Yeah, the show me state. Oh, Yeah. No, as I like to describe it, I left the best Great Lakes city to go to the second best Great Lakes city. And, folks, let me tell you, Lollapalooza, great time. This was my uh, sixth music festival, fifth or sixth music festival that I've been to. The first one, though, that I've done that's been a full four day one. And, oh my God, my legs and feet are absolutely killing me right now. But it was worth it. It was great. I saw a ton of great artists, a ton of artists that uh, I really didn't know. Uh, which was really cool. Like, I went into a lot of the performances pretty blind and with an open mind, too. Like, it, Lollapalooza, I think, is known uh, compared to a lot of other festivals for the diversity of like the lineup and stuff. So there is literally so much for everybody. And the scale of it is, is massive. Like I could not b- just believe how many people were there and how, I mean, huge the grounds were like the, the par- grant park that it's in. Um, it's perfect for a festival like this. The layout was great. I, I all, all in all is a great festival experience but I thought what I could do, I'll go through and just name some artists and just throw out some that I really liked names you're going to know names that maybe you don't know some names that I was personally like surprised by or whatever so for starters Thursday headliner that day Billie Eilish I'm going to tell you right now folks I do not listen to Billie Eilish much if at all I know the hits I know the stuff that gets played on the radio or her really pop like the singly stuff but I did not really know what to expect with it and oh my god dude she was phenomenal as a performer like I went in with really like, I mean, you obviously are going to have some expectations, but I went in pretty blind with it and I was blown away. I mean, her voice is is so gorgeous, really, really great voice. But I think what surprised me the most about her set was how much of a uh, an entertainer she is and how great of a performer she is, both during the songs and like her energy that she brings and her and her movements and her stage presence, but also she was charismatic as hell between songs and while she was kind of doing like the, the, you know, between song banter and everything, like I was just really, really impressed. And I really wasn't expecting that. You know, I feel like I've seen some interviews with her and you get somewhat of a sense of her, uh, of an artist's personality and interviews and stuff like that. But she was just so outgoing. Like, it was really cool to see. I I was very, very impressed. So big fan of her. I saw Noah Kahn. He was great. Carly Rae Jepsen. She was fantastic. Really cool getting to see her perform, getting to see the hits there. One that I really like, that's like a not an electronic duo, but they're they're a a duo from, I actually don't know where. I want to say some Europe somewhere in Europe but they're called Sophie Tucker it is uh this woman who's like the the front woman of it and she both pl- plays guitar and is like the singer and then there's the guy who is Tucker and he's like the dj and just it was just a goddamn party during their set. It was unbelievable. They were on one of like the main stages. So much fun. Like definitely not up my alley, like traditionally, like they're not a band that I are, uh, that I would like come across on like Spotify or something, but really fun, like a really, really good performance. So I really, really enjoyed them. Men I Trust was really great too. Friday then, got to see Kendrick. Amazing. Getting to see the King himself, just commanding the stage. It was great like he was so good I got to see Thames too Thames is a Nigerian RB artist that I've been really getting into the past few months and was really looking forward to seeing her and she absolutely owned it incredible voice kind of like island r b vibes to it so that was really cool uh, a pop artist that I saw that I really liked and was pleasantly surprised by was Sabrina Carpenter she was great uh, a lot of fun like very straightforward kind of like pop rock music but she was really good I also didn't realize Shaq DJ and I missed <laughs> it and I'm so sad he goes by DJ wow. Diesel but they had him listed on the uh, on the lineup as just Diesel so I didn't know and I, I was so sad Um, Peach Pit another band I did not know what to expect I go to their set they open with Raining Blood like the instrumental of it and it was crazy and I was like oh these dudes are about to like do some shredding and they played the most melodic vibey indie rock music kind of gave me early, like first album Young the Giant vibes a little bit. Moving on to Saturday. Saturday was interesting because that was very much the techno EDM kind of focused day, dancey day, I guess. But I got to see my first ever K-pop performance, and holy shit! One, it was awesome. Very cool to see like the 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 choreography and and just like the vocals. Obviously, were really cool, but. No joke, it was insane. The crowd. Like it was it sounded like it was like a jet taking off. So the the group that I saw was called Tomorrow Together. And um ended up saying for a handful of songs in their set. We ended up leaving the festival because they were one of the the last artists to perform. As we're leaving, no joke, we probably get at least like six or seven blocks away from the park, and you still clear as day can hear people screaming their heads off at them. Like it was, it was pretty wild. It was like thunderous. But otherwise on Saturday, I also got to see Maggie Rogers, really impressive set. Like she is a rock star on stage. Again, like one of the things that I thought really stood out with like a lot of these artists is just their general command of the stage and their stage presence. And with Maggie Rogers, like I've heard a couple of songs of hers previously. Her most famous one is Alaska. She has, I don't know if you've ever seen this video. It's a really cool video with her and Pharrell, where she's a student at NYU and she plays for him. Yeah, she plays for him. You got to watch this, Taylor. It's so cool. She plays for him a version of like a very early version of the song Alaska, which is like her big breakthrough hit. And part of the premise of it is that these NYU students were getting to show Pharrell on the spot and he would like live react to their music and she starts playing the track of it over and they're both listening behind a mixing table and he is just blown away and is like you are going to be a star like I want to help you this is amazing you are so talented and she ended up blowing up very soon after that it's a really really cool video look up uh, Maggie Rogers Pharrell it, it's really really cool to watch highly recommend though she was so good though like could not be more impressed with her set. I got to see a couple of songs of young gravy. That was as ridiculous as I was expecting it to be. <laughs> I literally saw two songs and looked at my friends and was like, hey, I've seen enough of that. I, I already know. Like I have gathered what this next hour is going to be through these first <laughs> songs. Like, I'm good. It was funny, but I was just like... Well, you're know, not a 43-year-old woman. He didn't even want you there. I know. Well, see? That's why it was like a mutual respect kind of thing. Let's see. Who else was there on Saturday? Uh, Suki Waterhouse. I got to see her. She was in... Uh, she's formerly like a model, but she was in the show Daisy Jones and the Six. And then Sunday, headliners were Red Hot Chili Peppers and Lana Del Rey. I got to catch a little bit of both of their sets, which was cool. But the star of the day on Sunday for me was Rina Sooyama. Oh, my God. Same thing with Maggie Rogers, where... Going into it, knowing a couple songs, her stuff is definitely a lot more pop-driven than Maggie Rogers is, but there's darker elements with it, I guess, but it's like very much pop with a lot of, uh, I don't know, like a very like, it kind of like driving pop stuff. And it was really cool. I think what was so special about hers is that it was very theatrical, not in the sense of like the stage setup, so to speak necessarily, but there was kind of like a narrative that ran through the performance. And I think when artists do that, it can kind of at times miss the mark or people aren't really like interested in it, whatever. But it was cool. It was just her and she had two backup dancers. The the choreography was dope. She's so expressive too. And so there was a lot of times while there's interludes playing between songs, almost like skits a little bit, but it it was just unbelievable. Like I know I'm rambling about it, but I was just so impressed. So highly recommend checking her out because she's a fucking awesome person too. Additionally, saw Mount Joy, they were really cool to see. And then I saw always too. always is a a, a great kind of like indie indie rock band that uh, female fronted indie rock band. So yeah, it was really great. But I know I just went through and said a ton of fucking recommendations. So go look all those up if they sound interesting, even if the names do. I'm sorry. I went on forever there about that. But it was a really <laughs> cool time. It was a lot of fun. I, I had nice, nice time. Yeah, it's really cool. One other thing I'll say, too. I so I went with a group of friends and there were six of us all together. Four of us, though, only had like the full weekend passes And so there were points that if we all had differing artists that we wanted to see, we were all very cool about if we were going to split up or stay together whatever. And so for the start of uh, Sunday, when it was like headliner time, so you had the Chili Peppers on one stage and you had Lana Del Rey on the other. I caught a few songs of Lana Del Rey because I'd never seen her before. I just wanted to be able to like see a few songs, be able to say they saw her. And then I wanted to go over and see the Chili Peppers perform. My friends who were there wanted to stay longer at Lana. So I went over to the Chili Peppers and was by myself. And... I got to tell you, there is something very good for the soul about being at a concert by yourself of a band that you really enjoy, or even when you don't, but like one that you enjoy or you're connected with. For me, the Chili Peppers, I was really into them in high school. John Frusciante is my favorite guitar player of all time. From kind of like when he left the band, like, you know, when he was out of the band, like ebbed and flowed with like how much I was really into them that much, but still like very much, you know, enjoyed listening to them from time to time. He ends up che- or, uh, rejoining the band then uh, two years ago now. And I've gotten to see him four times play, which has been great. And so like that was really the main driver of why I wanted to go. But there's just something really cool about seeing a band that you really like or one that you feel a connection with in any degree just by yourself and being able to just stand there, whether it's indoors, but especially like in an outdoor kind of venue where you're just surrounded by people, you don't have anyone else you're with and you are able to just focus on both the music itself and how it's making you feel and like connecting to how that artist has, how you've grown with an artist or how they've made you feel in like previous moments or or whatever. And it, it was just like a really, really beautiful moment. I know it's kind of funny saying that when it's like with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but I I, just, <laughs> I I really enjoyed it and I felt like it was almost like a very spiritual moment where it's not even, like just taking away like the music that's being played in the background but like, this is a band that I've liked for a long time I obviously have a very a personal connection with especially because of john for and how much I love his guitar playing. Yeah, and just being able to to experience that. I think that is what my recommendation is though. Is go to a concert by yourself sometime. Or if you're at a festival with people, go off by yourself for a little bit. Find somebody that you really like and just sit back and just enjoy it by yourself and just be in that moment and like, with your feelings and and like lean into that shit because it felt oddly freeing and and enriching, I guess in a way. I don't know. Have you ever gone to a concert by yourself, Taylor?
0: Uh no. But I have kind of stood alone for a lot of, like, yours, which is definitely, like, to your point, an interesting experience.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, i never been to one alone, though.
1: Me seeing the Red Hat Chili Peppers, you seeing me, it's like the same thing pretty <laughs>
0: yeah. much. Yeah. yeah, you only wear a sock. It's great. Yeah, uh- well, you
1: know. <laughs> that's for the private shows anyways. Though, <laughs> folks, all right. We're going to wrap up now. I'm going to shut the hell up here. Thank you for listening to me ramble everybody, but this has been another episode of straight up Sabres presented by the hockey podcast network and the charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows across both networks and make sure you're following both the hockey podcast network and the charging Buffalo on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We can also find us straight up Sabres. Also, Follow us on whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode. And before you close out, we'd very much appreciate it if you leave us a nice little rating or a review. Last but not least, we have our three, yes, folks, you heard that right, three wonderful sponsors reunited once again. First off, we have DraftKings Sportsbook. Use that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. Secondly, we have Raycon. Again, same way head to Raycon's website, take advantage of the great deals there by being a valued THPN slash Straight Up Sabres listener. And of course, Thin Man Brewery, head to Thin Man's website, thinmanbrewery.com. Keep up with all the great stuff they have going on there and make sure you're swinging by Chandler Street to take advantage of a nice little post-drink work or a nice meal with the family. Whatever it is you're feeling, Thin Man's got it for you. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up savers.